Now, what do we mean by a daily quiet time? A daily quiet time is a special period of time set aside every day to spend in prayer. When I first started having a quiet time, I had a devotional booklet to help me, and that's a good starting place. You know, you have to crawl before you can walk, and you have to take baby steps until you're ready to take a, a bigger steps. And uh, sometimes if you don't have a quiet time, uh, it's best to start with some helps like a good devotional booklet. We've got uh, some sites uh, uh, that you can find on the Internet. I think they're in the bulletin. Uh, we get the Daily Bread Devotion booklet here. It's a good place to start. I started with a, a prayer notebook by Peter Lord. It was entitled the 959 Prayer Plan. He came out later, I think, with a... 2959. And the 959 stood for nine minutes uh, uh, and uh, one second lacking 10 minutes. So basically, that's how I started, just with a, a 10 minute quiet time every morning. And uh, over the years, and we're all different, we have different personalities, we have different gifts, we have different experiences. Over the years, my quiet time has evolved. I don't like to use that word, but it has, it has grown and it has evolved into where I am today. And it's ever changing. But my challenge to you today is if you don't have a quiet time, that you will begin to have a quiet time. Peter Lord, uh, who spoke at this church several years ago uh, and was one of my mentors toward having a daily quiet time, uh, he said it takes about six weeks, that's 42 days. I guess the new math is still like that. It takes about six weeks to develop a habit. So my challenge to you today is that you will not quit because the devil's going to fight this tooth and nail. You know that. You will not quit. Now, if you miss a day because of some unusual circumstance, don't go to pieces. Just get back up the next day and get with it again. Uh, but that you would commit, all right, I'm going to do this for six weeks. And I'm going to let the devil, who's a thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to let him take that away from me. And it can become a habit in your life. Now, March the 5th, would be about 40 or 42 days. And so if I can remember, and I think I can, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask you, how many of you have been faithful for these six weeks to have this quiet time? Okay. All right. And by the way, we have some how to start a quiet time, how to begin a quiet time little booklets uh, out in the foyer, and uh, they're free for the taking, and they... Uh, might help you get started in this, okay? So please feel free to take one. All right, here's the scripture. Luke 5, 15 and 16. However, the report went around concerning him, that's Jesus, of course, all the more, and great multitudes, we're talking about crusade, Billy Graham crusade crowds, great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. The first thing that you've got to realize in your heart is how important a quiet time is. It is a priority. 
It is the most important thing that I do in, in my Christian life. And it needs to sink into each of our hearts. This is a priority in my Christian life. Now we see that in Jesus' life. He's our example. First of all, it was more important to him than preaching. Notice multitudes came to hear him. But there was something that Jesus considered more important than talking to man, and that was talking to the heavenly Father. In fact, you'll never effectively talk to men for the Lord until you have spent time talking with the Lord. And uh, it was more important than preaching. And not only that, and this may not sound too kind at first, but understand there's never been a kinder, more ca compassionate man that ever walked on the earth than Jesus Christ. But it was even more important than the practical ministry of healing people. Now, he healed thousands of people. But this scripture says they were clamoring to hear him preach. They were clamoring to be healed of their infirmities. And what did Jesus do? He didn't rush out to the crusade crowd. He didn't rush forth to the hospitals of the day. These are wonderful things, needed things, important things. But I'm telling you, his priority, he would often withdraw into the wilderness and pray. Now you can't help but also notice in verse 16, it almost sounds like uh, it's an overemphasis of the language. So he himself often withdrew in the wilderness and prayed. Couldn't he have just, couldn't the scripture, couldn't the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to just say, so he often withdrew? Why? The he himself. Well, to me, that says, Jack Moore, if the sinless son of God considered prayer that important, he himself, the one that spoke the world into existence, if Jesus considered it a prayer, uh, an important thing and needed in his life, how much more should this sinner saved by grace? Realize it as a priority. If uh, someone very important wanted to talk to you, let's say the president, let's say the vice president of the country, the governor of the nation, the mayor of the city, uh, someone very important wanted to, to meet with you, uh, don't you think you'd do it? Well, the most important person, being in all the universe, desires to meet on a daily basis with you. Remember when Jesus taught us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer, one of the petitions was give us this day. So that indicates to me we need to have a daily quiet time. All right, the second thing is it's practice. It's regularity. Notice what the scripture says. He often withdrew in verse 16. Now in my translation of the Bible, often is in the italics. And what does that mean? That means the translators put that in. It's not in the original, but they put that in to help you better understand the original language. The original language of the New Testament is Greek. And boy, they were right on target there because in the Greek language, this is in what's called the imperfect tense. And that's not that important to you. But what the imperfect tense is, it speaks of something that happened and it kept on happening. 
in past time. So he's looking back on the life of Christ when he writes this book, and, and he says, as one Greek scholar, William Hendrickson, says, so again and again, Jesus would withdraw himself and steal away. That word withdraw does mean to kind of secretly steal away to lonely places to pour out his heart in prayer. So this thing needs to become a discipline, and I've already mentioned to you about the six weeks. It needs to be something that is regular. Uh, you know, when, when I get up in the morning, uh, I, I try to take a shower. I try to brush my teeth. I, well, I don't try and do. I just do those things. And you should be glad your preacher does those things. And I put on a, a deodorant, and uh, I try to shave, and I try to prepare for the day. And why shouldn't we prepare for the day spiritually through meeting God? Now, one of the questions I'm asked, especially by people, I'm a morning person, wasn't always, but I am. Uh, some people say, well, Brother Jack, is the morning the only time you can have a quiet time? I think it's the best time, and I think there's a lot more scriptures that talk about uh, the saints of God and even Jesus praying in the morning, but the, the Bible is not so dogmatic as to say the morning is the only time you can have your special devotion time with the Lord. Uh, some folks, if night is your best time, but give God your best. Now, I guarantee you, I, I'm better in the morning than I am at night, okay? So it's, it's the best time for me. You find the best time for you, and don't give him leftovers, it's kind of like folks sometimes they have broken toys or they have ragged clothes and they bring them to the church. We thought the church might. You did not. You just tried to get rid of them. <laughs> Put God first, folks. Give him the best time for you every day. And you may have to experiment some on this, but it needs to be a practice. Uh, some people say, well, I'm too busy. Uh, my job's too important. I got two questions. Is your job more important than Jesus's? Now, the right answer to that is no. Nope. And uh, are you busier than Jesus? And the right answer to that is no. Nope. And we really can find time to do what we deem important. Martin Luther, the great reformer, theologian, he said, I meet with God every morning for an hour in prayer unless it's an exceptionally busy day and then I spend two hours. I read that years ago, and it didn't make any sense to me, but I understand it now. You know how when you tithe, when you give sacrificially, the Lord gives back to you. And when you don't, you'll end up losing out financially. That's just the way it is. It's just a principle. Well, when you give God time, he will give you that time back. I couldn't help but notice the Sunday after March the 5th, daylight savings time. Now I know that you actually don't, you know what, you spring up, yeah, but you actually have more daylight to work in. And I found that God's the author of our time. Several years ago, we'd have our deacons meeting every third Sunday at 4 o'clock, and the service would start at 6, and uh, it would just go right into the service. I'd have to excuse myself and leave. Almost every deacon's meeting would last into the service, 6.30, sometimes almost the entire time. 
And then under Keith Allen, who's our present chairman of deacons, he was uh, chairman of deacons back then several years ago too. And Keith Allen started us beginning every deacons meeting with a prayer meeting. Now I'm not talking about just one deacon getting us started by a little quick prayer. Everybody, the staff and the deacons, we go around the room, pray one at a time. And sometimes it lasts 30 minutes, sometimes it lasts 45. And I'm going to confess to you that when it first started, I thought, what is Keith doing? We'll never finish on time now. We got things to discuss. Folks, I'm telling you, and, and boy, they'll bear witness with me. When we started doing that, nine times out of ten, we finish early. And not only that, our deacons' meetings have always really been good. They have. Uh, but it's just like the problems in the church are, are never as great as perhaps some have been in the past. What a difference it's made. God will give you back that time that you don't think you can give to him. Okay? And then it's place. He did this in the wilderness. Uh, wilderness is a, is a Greek word, oremos. It means an uninhabited place of solitude, free from interruptions and distractions. If the devil can interrupt your quiet time, he will. Okay? If the devil can distract your mind away from God, he will. And so you need to find a place as free from distractions and interruptions as possible. Now, I'll throw this in. To me, the most difficult person finding that time is a young mother. Okay? But I do believe if you have a heart to do this, you and the Lord will find a time. You all have heard about Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. What she have? 13 kids? 13 kids. And when she got ready to have her quiet time, she'd throw her apron over her head. And she said, when, when those kids saw the apron over the head, don't disturb mama. Don't disturb mama. <laughs> I know when my children were little, I had to go into a little office in the back of the room, shut the door to have my quiet time. And uh, sometimes Micah, who was the youngest, and he and I were real buds, he would stick his little fingers under the door and I'd see him. But he'd never say a word. I got, I have a rescue mutt, okay? That's the most affectionate dog I have ever seen. If I'm watching a ball game and my team does bad, and I go, oh, that dog gets up, jumps in my lap, just lays his head. He doesn't, she doesn't want me upset about anything. It's an amazing little dog. And, uh, but that dog knows when I get up in the morning, just stay in bed. Now, I'm not going to tell you the dog prays. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say she knows it's my quiet time. So, you know, right now my quiet time, because I get up early, I try to beat the devil up, is, uh, is early in the morning. And again, this is, this is between you and the Lord. It's your special time. I'm not saying copy me. Copy the principle, not necessarily the personality here, but uh, have a special place set aside, hopefully free from interruption or distraction. I've had several places over the years that 
depends on where I am at that moment. And then last, it's purpose. Notice what Jesus did. He didn't prepare sermons. Boy, that's always a temptation for me in a quiet time. Whoa, would you look at that passage? That's a sermon if I ever saw one. Nope, it's not time to prepare sermons. God can speak to you about a sermon during a quiet time, but it's not a time to prepare a sermon. It's not a time to prepare your Sunday school lesson. Uh, it's not a time. Now, I like to use a good easy-to-read translation with good Bible study notes. And those Bible study notes help me, help me uh, a lot. Uh, this morning I was reading in Colossians uh, that husbands are to love their wives and not to uh, embitter them. And so I looked at my note and it talked about what that word embitter meant. It meant that you treat your wife harshly and therefore she gets a bitter spirit. So I was able to pray, God, please don't let me ever treat my wife harshly in, my, in word or deed. Uh, that she might have a bitter spirit. So I love to get a good, easy to read. Right now I'm uh, reading through the Holman translation. It's a great translation. I've read through other translations. Uh, the NIV study Bible, uh, the old one was just great. But anyway, I've read through the New Living, I mean the Living Translation study Bible, life application. But, uh, it, but you don't, but you're not trying to become a Bible scholar. You're, you're wanting God to speak to you. And this is very important, by the way. Always have an open Bible in your quiet time. Because if prayer in its simplest definition is communing and talking with God, <clears throat> that means he wants to talk to you. And the primary way he talks to you is through his word. Now, I think it's wonderful when we read through the Bible in a year. I commend that. I want to read through the Bible this year. But in your quiet time, don't let that be read through the Bible in a year. Most, most of our Bibles have kind of headings and sections. And what I usually try to do is just go through one of those little headings. And really, God, speak to me. Another thing he told me this morning, he says, when you do your work for the Lord, do it enthusiastically. Isn't that neat? It gets neater when you get to be 66 years old. All right, got to get a little enthusiastically going here. <laughs> but anyway, it's just wonderful. So first of all, let him speak to you through the word, through his spirit. And then, and many of these devotional booklets have scriptures. Almost all of them have scriptures in them too. That's where you need to start. But then you talk to him. This word prayed that is used for Jesus. It's the most common word in the New Testament for prayer. It's used 87 times. Again, not trying to show off. You'll see why I'm saying this in a minute. It's pros erkamai. Pros and uh, the prefix pros, that's why I share the word with you. Not to say I'm smart in Greek because I'm not. Pros means, and it's the preposition at the beginning of this word in the Greek. It means to or toward or face to face with. That same preposition, look at this now, is used in Revelation 22.4 when we get to heaven. And this to me is the most exciting thing about heaven. And they, that's us in heaven, shall see his face. Pros is before that word. James says, draw near unto God and he'll draw near unto you. I tell you, you will never draw any nearer to the Lord than you are near to him in a quiet time. Please hear me. And he will draw so near to you. 
during that time as well. I was talking to uh, someone a little while ago about the tornado last week that came through the Hattiesburg area, and it really uh, ripped through William Carey College, one of our Baptist colleges there. And in fact, uh, Marcia read this morning that uh, they, are, they have no classes and they've told the students to come and get all of their belongings and they'll have to let them know when it's safe to return again. Thankfully, no one was killed. Four people were killed in the Hattiesburg area, but no one was killed at, at William Carey College. Things were just demolished. But listen to this. Uh, in the chapel, which was hit hard, there on the altar, the Bible was open. Not one page has been turned. It was open to where they keep it, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, I tell you, the Lord will speak to us if we'll just love him enough to listen and spend time with him. Jesus asked Peter and James and John to pray with him. Matthew 22, 40. What did they do? They went to sleep. I'm glad I'm not the only preacher folks sleep on. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, What? That's an exclamation point after that. Jesus, what? I can't believe this. I ask you to watch and pray with me. What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? I end with that question today, not from me, but from the Lord Jesus to all of our hearts. When we get to heaven one day and we stand before him, will he say, what? Could you not have watched with me for one hour? Let's stand together and let's pray. The most important thing is to make sure that you have a pathway to the Lord in prayer. When Jesus died on the cross in the Jewish temple, there was a curtain. It was very thick and it was uh, woven in one piece and uh, it separated, it hung between the Holy of Holies, which represented God's immediate presence and the, uh, the inner court. And when Jesus died, uh, that thing split from top to bottom, indicating that now anyone who would accept Christ's death as a payment for their sin, they would accept him as their Savior, they could come before the presence of God in his name in prayer. It's a holy throne, and we've got to be forgiven, and that's through the blood of Christ. So if you've never accepted Christ, into your heart as your personal Savior. Do it now. Repent. Be willing to turn from sin and live for God. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means your goal in life now is to be the best Christian you can be. And then put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died in your place for your sin. He was judged for your sins on the cross and he rose from the grave and accepted as your Lord and Savior. And if you do that today, I hope you'll come and make it public during this invitation time. He asked us to do that. And then today, for the believers here, 
Listen to the words of Jesus. What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? And I pray those words will not come back in a haunting way to us one day. So I hope many here in this service and in the following service will make a commitment. If you don't already have one, you'll make a commitment to begin a quiet time with God on a daily basis. Sure, sometimes extenuating circumstances, you, you can't have it, you don't fall to pieces. The Lord knows that, understands that. You just get back the next day and get right back with it. But may it become a consistent, holy practice in each of our lives. If God would lead you to move your church letter today, you need to be in a fellowship of other believers to bless them and to be blessed by them. Then during this invitation time, just come on and say, Brother Jack, we'd like to move our church letter here to Fisherman. And God, we ask it all in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.